Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and the Child and Family Support Center in Logan, partnering with Man vs. Mud and Kids vs. Mud on August 31st in a 5K mud run and obstacle course in Wellsville. Information at manversmud.com. Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Utahns have saved 23% of what they estimate they'll need for retirement. That ranks 49th in the nation. They've saved 2.3 times their annual income for retirement. That's 29th in the nation. And according to a new study, 28% of Americans have no confidence they'll have enough money to retire comfortably. That's the highest figure in the study's 23-year history. 41% do say they're at least somewhat confident. I'm going to ask you, how confident are you? How much do you need for retirement? Do you know? A lot of people don't know. Uh, can you rely on the stock market to safely leverage your savings? How will recent changes in health care and other laws affect your retirement? And will Social Security and Medicare be there to help you? What if you're self-employed or relying on a pension? Until recently, most of our attention has been focused on accumulating assets for retirement. Now, as baby boomers retire, there's a lot more emphasis on managing money in retirement. So there's another worry for us. Well, we're going to answer your retirement questions on the program today. Throughout the hour, phone lines open. You can email us as well. We have with us Jean Laun, USU Professor of Family, Consumer, and Human Development. Welcome back to the program. Thank you. And Mike Lyons, USU Associate Professor of Political Science, comes back to the program. Thank you. Thank you, Tom, and good to see you again, Jim. And uh, we're going to answer your questions today, or if you have comments, the number is 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495, or you can reach us by email at upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. Some more statistics here from a report, Employee Benefit Research Institute, 57% of U.S. workers surveyed reported less than $25,000 in total household savings and investments, aside from their homes. And as I mentioned, 28% of Americans have no confidence they'll have enough uh, money to retire. Uh, Jean Launa, these statistics that jibe with people you talk to? Right. It's consistent with some of the research and writing that I've done. And there's been study after study after study that says uh, Americans don't have enough set aside for retirement. And another stat here from that uh, that study that I made reference to, only 46% report that they and or their spouse have tried to calculate how much money they'll need to have saved. But, so that's a surprisingly high uh, uh, number. But, you know, if I put myself in that category, I've, I guess I've calculated it, but it's been a while. Yeah. Well, a lot of it depends on how close you are. And too often people wait until right before they're ready to retire. But one thing that comes into play here is that we don't always have control over when we have to leave our jobs. <laughs> and there's a, a large percentage of people who lost their jobs in the Great Recession and other people who've lost their jobs due to health or disability, and they hadn't planned on stopping work that soon. So that's always an eventuality. And 2008, there were people who uh, not only lost value in their stocks, but had to sell off some stocks, too. Right. And there's actually... We can be talking about two separate phases here, the accumulation phase where there's – this is where we focused you know, in the industry for the last you know, 25 or more years. And right now there's a, been a big switch in the last five years in the retirement planning, financial planning industry to focus on helping people make their money last. So that's – it's almost like there are two separate topics there and we can address both today, but uh, there's – 
you know, you may have heard of the 4% rule, and that's been called into question that you could spend 4% of your assets. And depending on the stock market, um, you know, you need to have multiple uh, sources of income in retirement. And, of course, that includes Social Security. What is a good rule of thumb? You, you know, if I'm there, are calculators out there. We'll, we'll get you. We'll get you to some websites that you've suggested to Professor Lown uh, th- that I've found very interesting. But uh, a rule of thumb we can throw out to people. What? Okay. Well, uh, in the early '80s, a research study, a landmark study, calculated that based upon past U.S. Uh, returns in U.S. markets, that it would be safe to take out four percent from your nest egg every year, and that's been called into question because the time period that those data were based on was probably uh, much more robust than average time period. And also with the U.S. uh, markets being a shrinking part of global markets, uh, researchers are suggesting that 4% is too robust. I prefer a strategy where you look at what am I going to get from Social Security and what do I need to cover my basic expenses, my needs, not my wants. And buying uh, an annuity, uh, an income annuity, to combine with Social Security to cover the basics. And then hoping that you have some money left over. (laughs) You don't want to spend all your money to buy an annuity. And then keeping that invested fairly aggressively because of inflation and keeping up with growth and expenses, particularly health care expenses. So an annuity, this is what you'd, you'd pay into this while you're working and then... Well, you know, I, I hate the, the fact that annuities, the word annuity is used for both the accumulation phase when you have tax-deferred um, savings to set aside for retirement. The same word is used when you give a, an insurance company a lump sum of money, say $100,000, and they pay you an income every month for the rest of your life. And... It's confusing because most people don't even understand annuities, period, and then they get confused. Are you talking about the accumulation phase when I'm saving in a tax-deferred manner, or are you talking about a guaranteed income that's going to last for my life? Which brings me to the point that with my clients, I start out, and with my students, how long are you going to live? That's a very, very important estimate. And there's, you know, online calculators that can help you estimate this. Because if you're expected to live to 72, that's a totally different situation from someone who's expected to live to 100 uh, to 102. <laughs> and I suppose you could look at family history and... Uh, well, that's, uh, that's part of what yeah. goes into those online yeah. calculators. Mm-hmm. What's your weight, your height, your exercise pattern? Uh, what did your parents die of? How long did they live? What about your grandparents? All mm-hmm. that factors into these online calculators to give you, you know, a fairly good estimate. But then again, remember, uh, in theory, you have a 50% chance of living longer than that. Mm-hmm. So sometimes right. the numbers get pretty scary. I was just thinking, I don't know if I want to put the numbers in because, you know, it, it it, spits the number <laughs> out. So actuaries can be pretty accurate sometimes. But, but, but as you say, this is just a target date, you know, right, 50% yeah. over 50%. Under. Let's turn to uh, Professor Lyons. We brought him in to talk about public policy and, of course, what our politicians do and the laws that are made will have a, has and will have a great effect on our retirement planning. The key question, Professor Lyons, is will Social Security be there? Yes, it will be. And I am surprised to talk to younger people who seem not to count on Social Security in the future. And I think that the um, there are problems financially with the future of Social Security. 
But let me just spell out the worst case. The worst case would be one in which nothing is done to reduce benefits or raise the retirement age. Uh, Nothing is done to increase taxes or contributions that go into Social Security. And if that happens, then Social Security benefits will need to be cut by about 25 percent in about 30 years. Um, But that's the absolute worst case. And it really doesn't take politicians to move mountains to correct the financial problems of Social Security. Surprisingly minor tweaking of the system, simply changing the formula that is used to calculate benefit increases that are adjusted for inflation will solve the entire problem indefinitely. Hmm. Of course, this this is not what we're hearing. We we hear doom and gloom, right? Right. Is that just political rhetoric? Uh, Some of it's political rhetoric, and, you know, one of my rules of thumb is never trust the American people to understand anything mathematical. And people just won't sit down and do the math and won't look at the numbers and won't recognize what the situation is. And there's an underlying political reality here that uh, the retired population is the most powerful interest group in the United States. The formal organization, the American Association of Retired People, and then the other people who are not formally part of that organization but who are represented by that organization. And that group isn't going to go away. It's going to increase in numbers proportionate to the total population. Its political power is going to increase as baby boomers retire, and it's going to fight for Social Security – And if it comes down to a choice between cutting benefits or raising taxes, the people currently retired are always going to favor raising taxes. So I gave you the worst case, which isn't that bad. What I really believe is uh, Social Security benefits will remain at roughly their present levels. We may see some tinkering with retirement age, as we've seen already, but basically it's not going anywhere. What about um, we keep hearing about the deficit, and we hear about the deficit, and, and it's linked to Social Security and Medicare. Yeah, that's a complex uh, game that the politicians have been playing. Legally, Social Security funding and Medicare funding are separate from the main lines in the budget, and Social Security actually has not a debt but a surplus of around two trillion dollars right now, and. In the accounting that is presented to the public to make the debt on the other side look smaller and to make the annual deficits look smaller, they've been merging the reported budgets together when legally they are separate. So there's bad news here as well as good news. The good news is Social Security right now is completely solvent and it will remain solvent for around another 30 years. On the other hand, the rest of the budget is further in debt and running larger deficits than people recognize. Yeah, I'd like to support what Dr. Lyons has said. I'm totally on the same page with him, and I you know, know quite a bit about this. There's a fabulous resource to help people understand Social Security. It comes from the Center for Retirement Research at Boston College. Their website is very simple. It's C- rr.bc.edu. 
they have produced a fabulous, it's almost like comic book because it's colorful, it's pictures, the Social Security Fix-It Book. And it goes through exactly what Dr. Lyons talked about. It shows you, well, we could tweak this. We could tweak that. We could raise, you know, one of the things they could do is raise the income level that is subject to Social Security tax. Because when Social Security was first introduced, about 90% of all collective income was taxed. That has shrunk to about 80% now. So people that are earning, oh, it's about $110,000, $112,000 or more, any income that they earn above that is not subject to Social Security tax. And my vote is to increase the amount of income back to that 90% level or even higher. There's all these little tiny, tiny adjustments so that everybody has tiny little bit of pain that could easily solve Social Security's funding well into the future. So I encourage people, just go online, do an internet search for the Social Security Fix-It book and educate yourself about this very, very important program because there's a huge percentage of uh, people who are older who are completely dependent on Social Security. And for a lot of us, that's, you know, our parents or grandparents that we should care about them. Hmm. We're talking about retirement planning. Uh, Whether you're in retirement, and uh, a lot of us are having to stretch those dollars in retirement, we're living longer, that's uh, that's good news. Uh, Baby boomers are retiring. So we're talking about that piece of it. We'll talk about uh, accumulating assets for retirement as well. Um, Before we go to break, Professor Lyons, um, a lot of young people are you talk to, they just assume Social Security is not going to be there. And to the extent that they are planning for retirement, a lot of young people don't. They're just, you know, taking Social Security out of the equation. Yeah, uh, this is very common. In fact, the majority of people that I talk to under the age of 40 believe that they can't count on Social Security, and I just think that they're wrong. And one of the things that was a surprise for me is I began to receive estimates from the Social Security Administration of what my benefits would be. They actually are more substantial than I had assumed they might, although I will say there was an unpleasant surprise for me when I realized that 85 percent of the benefits would be taxable. Uh, They aren't for everyone, but faculty at USU are fortunate enough to have an excellent retirement program separate from Social Security that gives us an income stream that bumps us not into a category of wealthy people by any means, but we're comfortable enough in retirement that Social Security does become largely taxable. So there's both good news and bad news for me personally, but there's just no reason to believe it's going anywhere, and there are so many other things to worry about in our system of government. It's interesting (laughs) how Social Security has been turned into this this central concern, and meanwhile, uh, climate change continues. Right. Oh, good. Yeah. 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 Professor Lund, uh, again, just before we go to break here, uh, so if a young person just takes Social Security off the table, isn't that a good thing? They'll, They'll have more than they need to retire, you know. I I teach an investing class, and this is typical of my students, and they think they're going to be able to save so much money and invest it at, you know, an 8% annual return and have this huge nest egg. Well, a million dollars sounds like a lot now, but for someone who's 21, you know, a million dollars when they're, you know, in their late 60s. And again, you know, the whole idea of retirement is changing, and people are not 
doing the old grandfather retirement of working full time and then just quitting and going to the golf course or whatever. And age at which people are retiring, a lot of people are are waiting much longer because they love their jobs or because they have to work and also doing things like quitting their long-term job and doing what they really wanted to, what they love, their passion, starting a business, uh, volunteering. There's just so many variations. When we talk about retirement, sometimes I, I think people get locked into kind of a black and white old uh, school picture of what retirement is. We uh, do have an email. We'll get to that after the break. Uh, you're welcome to email us at upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. You can reach us on phone as well. Your questions and comments about retirement planning. Uh, perhaps you're a bit confused about what you need. Uh, what are some of the ins and outs? We have some great websites we're going to mention. Um, what uh, what goes into retirement planning? Are you among the 46% in a recent survey who uh, hadn't even sat down to calculate what what you need? It's. Uh, I think we get busy, and 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 a lot of us don't do that. So uh, here you can uh, take some time, uh, get yourself educated. Your questions and comments on retirement. We're talking with uh, Gene Laun, USU professor of family, consumer, and human development, and Mike Lyons, USU associate professor of political science. The number is one eight hundred eight two six one four nine five, or you can email us at upraxis at gmail dot com. You can also uh, tweet us uh, on uh, Twitter. Just use the hashtag. Access Utah. Back after a break. This is folk singer Michael Jonathan inviting you to tune in to this week's Wood Songs broadcast with True Superstar and a New Roots album with Amy Grant. It's Amy Grant for the full hour on this week's broadcast of the Wood Songs Old Time Radio Hour. Fridays at 11 on Utah Public Radio. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Crumb Brothers Artisan Bread at 300 South and 300 West in Logan, now open Monday through Saturday until 2, with a changing menu of a specialty salad, French breakfast pastries, with local seasonal fruits, and lunch sandwiches. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams, and uh, we're talking about retirement planning. That's something that a lot of us put off, uh, don't really dive into. It can be a little bit intimidating. You, you just don't know what's going to be there or what you need. There are some simple means, uh, calculators online that you can use. You can go to advisors, and we're giving you some advice today. We're talking with Gene Laun, USU Professor of Family, Consumer, and Human Development, and Mike Lyons, USU Associate Professor of Political Science. We're answering your retirement questions. Perhaps you have a comment. The uh, number to call is 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. Perhaps you're sitting pretty. We'd like to give advice to the rest of us. Uh, we'd love your comment there. Uh, or if you need some advice, I've got some people who can give that to you. You can reach us by email at upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. Utahns, by the way, have saved 23% of what they estimate they'll need for retirement. That's the 49th in the nation. And they've saved 2.3 times their annual income for retirement, the 29th in the nation. Uh, this is quite the statistic. This is from a recent uh, survey. 28% of Americans have no confidence they'll have enough money to retire comfortably. 41% have some level of confidence. Do you know how much you'll need to retire? Uh, can you rely on the stock market? Uh, what about pensions? Social Security and Medicare, will they be there to help? Professor Lyons says yes. Uh, essentially because of the political power of 
seniors, I guess is what you're saying. Well, and, and the estimates for Social Security are a lot better than for Medicare. Medicare is a program that's in trouble for a lot of reasons. And it'll be there, but how adequately it will cover health care expenses is an open question. And my understanding is is that it is less adequate than a lot of seniors anticipate before they retire. And health care, Gene Lowne, is a big part of what you need to calculate right, in yeah. terms of retirement. But I, I think people should get started with a quick, easy online calculator called the Ballpark Estimate. And this is one of the simplest tools to help you get started, the first step to estimate how much you're going to need. There's lots more sophisticated uh, tools online. Most mutual fund companies have them. So get started with the ballpark estimate. And then when it comes to health care costs, let me tell you, the studies that I read are just mind-boggling in terms of the amount of money you're going to need. You start looking at Medicare and what Dr. Lyons said is absolutely true, that that's in far more financial trouble than Social Security. But, you know, there's things that some of us have become accustomed to because we have fairly robust health insurance and things like flexible spending accounts and we can buy dental insurance. But, you know, dental care, eyeglasses, hearing aids aren't covered. There's a lot of expenses that people are going to be having to pay out of pocket. And some of the research studies estimate you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in expenses, which, of course, is far more than the vast majority have peop- of people have saved for retirement, period. And a recent study came out with some kind of, it seemed like contradictory and perplexing news that those who are healthiest are going to have the biggest health care costs in retirement because they're going to live longer. And it's, you know, the last years of life that are so costly. So the idea that, you know, if you're in really bad health uh, and you're obese and have diabetes, et cetera, your health care costs while you're working and while you're younger are much higher, but you're probably just going to die sooner. (laughs) Those people that are, um, you know, running and keeping themselves in great shape and keeping their cholesterol under control, et cetera, they're going to live a long, long time probably, and they're going to face the largest health care cost. seems a little contradictory. Yeah, but it's it's it ironic, does. but yeah. uh, the really patriotic thing to do is to work <laughs> right up to age 66 and then on your 66th birthday die. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, you know, that, you know, you mentioned 66, and, you know, I think people are starting to recognize that the age at which younger people can collect Social Security is increasing, so we need to consider that. And when to claim Social Security is another big question. Let, let's get into that. Um, uh, let me first, we'll put that on hold. Let me go to our uh, email. Uh, but then uh, remind me, we want to get into when to claim Social Security. That's an important question. By the way, uh, I have, I'm not very good at exercising, so I'm, I guess I'm a patriot. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm doing my part. I need to get back to it and be a little less patriotic. Uh, this is from uh, Steve in Beaver Dam, Arizona. There is no inflation in today's economy, nor is there any prospect for inflation for many years, he says. The economy is stuck in what economists call a liquidity trap, a situation in which interest rates are so very low that they cannot be lowered further to stimulate the economy. And liquidity traps are notoriously persistent. 
They are so hard to climb out of that they can last for a decade or longer. In fact, the Federal Reserve Bank actually wants to engender some inflation but is unable to hit its even its own modest inflation target. So when your guest advises your listeners to plan for inflation, I don't think she's giving good advice. Better advice would be counseling how to cope with persistently low returns on bank accounts and bond investments for a long time to come. That's uh, Steve. So your your response, Professor Lund. Well, first of all, I I think that the federal data um, disagrees with what he says about no inflation. And, you know, just look at uh, your electric bill, your gas bill. Uh, I think Questar is getting an increase there. Uh, you know, your gasoline, you know, grocery store, all your expenses, your health insurance premiums, <laughs> you know, your out-of-pocket costs. Uh, all these in my um budget are going up pretty consistently. And so I would disagree on that. <laughs> yeah, I, and I would add that long-range economic forecasting like that is um, extremely difficult. We, we don't know what's going to happen in the future, the impact it'll have on prices, oil supplies. There's a thousand things that could change the inflation rate drastically that we can't foresee right now. On the other hand, inflation rates and interest rates may stay low. And trying to predict the future like that more than, say, three to five years down the road, I think, is a fool's mission. Yeah. So, but I would, I, I agree with the problem of, you know, it's it's hard to encourage people to save, which is what I try to do when the interest rates on savings accounts are so low. And so I, you know, suggest people look at um, online savings accounts, online CDs for getting a little bit higher interest rate, uh, federal government I bonds, which are inflation adjusted bonds. And the latest statistic I saw is, you know, those are going up 3%. So that reflects inflation in the previous six months. So there are various strategies. Uh, but beyond that, in investing for the long run, and when I say investing rather than saving, you have to take some risk. And that's where you have to be in the stock market. How, what, which, how should you target your risk? Um, I, I know, you know, you hit 2008, I think we we're all going great. You t- hit 2008, and then uh, we all become risk-averse, perhaps, at least I... T- <laughs> oh, yeah, that's you know. for sure. <laughs> um, it, I mean, the the historic return for stock market, about 8%, that's pretty good. Yeah, but it's been, it's very, very var- variable. Whenever you, I see those statistics, and this is stuff I teach, and, you know, my students use financial calculators that project that 8% out into the future, and I say, yeah, but that's not realistic, because you can have years when you lose 40%, years when you gain 40%. So when I talk with clients, I say, you know, there's all these risk tests that you can take, you know, little quizzes online and all your mutual fund companies will have them and just Google, you know, risk quiz. And I say, you know, most of my clients are not 21 years old. And so I say, well, what did you do and how did you feel in 2008 and 2009? And we go from there. And going back a little bit further, if you remember some of the other crashes, like the internet bubble bursting in 2000, and, uh, you know, I asked them what they did and how they reacted. And of course, you know, maybe it wasn't so bad in 2008, but if they're looking at retiring fairly soon, they might be getting more conservative. Mm So that's a better risk test than any of those online. And, and in retirement, which I'm facing before too many years here, I really like the strategy that uh, Joan laid out where um, – uh, Jean laid out, I'm sorry uh, – where you purchase an annuity to uh, supplement Social Security and cover your basic needs and then 
invest in the stock market or in other higher return, higher risk venues with whatever you've got left over. That makes a lot of sense. I'd like to come back to that, something called immediate annuity. And and you're right, people are confused about annuities. We could explain it a little well, better for us. It, you can use deferred annuities to invest for retirement. And generally, these are um, only after you've fully funded your individual retirement account, which now you can put up to $5,500 a year into an IRA, and I recommend Roth IRAs. Or for people 50 and older, another $1,000, so up to 6500 So max out your IRA. Max out, if you have a 401k or similar plan at work, max out your contributions to that. And it's only for people who have maxed out all those tax-deferred options that they might then purchase and invest in a deferred annuity where they, you know, generally you contribute on a regular basis every month and you get some tax breaks for that. But since we're talking mainly about retirement, what I like to do is shift to talking about that income stream that uh, Dr. Lyons just mentioned, that uh, that immediate annuity. And essentially, you give an insurance company a lump sum of money, and then they promise to pay you. The simplest way, plain vanilla, is a fixed amount of money every month for the rest of your life. And these are particularly attractive for people who do those little calculations and get the bad news that they're going to live a long, long time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's let's go back to um, strategies, strategizing about when you take Social Security. Should you delay it? Should you oh. should you take it uh, when you're the first year you're, it's available to you? Well, I'm pleased to announce that on Wednesday, September 11th, uh, financial planner Suzanne Dalbout from Salt Lake City is coming to Logan to do two programs for financial planning for women, which is a monthly workshop I teach. Now, although it's titled Financial Planning for Women, men are always welcome and they are particularly encouraged to attend. This is Wednesday, September 11th, 1130 in the Taggart Student Center, room 336. And that evening, we are at a different venue because we're expecting a larger crowd, 7 p.m. at the Logan Library. And Ms. Dalbout will go through uh, some of the strategies. And this is particularly important for couples to think about uh, there are some kind of sophisticated, unusual strategies where one person in a couple can file for benefits, their partner can then file for benefits, and then the primary person suspends their receiving their benefits so that they still accumulate more credits to get a larger benefit. There's a lot of sophisticated strategies. It's fairly complicated, and um, Suzanne Dalbout will walk us through that process. Uh, I suppose this, um, you know, it's a good problem to have. We're living longer. But but now we have to have strategies for how to make that money last in retirement. Right. And that's a huge challenge. Yeah. Um, going back to the other end of the spectrum, how do you, when you talk to young people, we talked, you know, Professor Lyons was talking about how you talk to young people, they're, they're just assuming Social Security not going to be there. Uh, but on the other side of that coin, I guess they, if, they, if they believe that, they ought to be ramping up their savings. But I talk to a lot of young people who aren't thinking about that. It's, it's natural. You know, you don't well, you, you know, think you're going to live forever. I'll toss out an idea for a future program, and that's student loan debt. 
which I don't want to get into today, but a lot of young people are facing mm. fairly robust student loan debt. Yeah, I mean, it's it's contradictory, and I, I can understand it for 20-somethings. They, you know, read the headlines about all the problems with Social Security. They don't bother to get the details because it's not high on their radar screen, understandably. And they just dismiss it, and yet, you know, the demands of um, – you know, relatively low wages, high costs of living, et cetera, uh, they, you know, particularly if you're starting a family and raising children, it's really hard to set that money aside. And that's why I tell my students, hey, just, you know, find a job with a large employer with great benefits. And that's the best strategy. <laughs> that's the best strategy. I was, I was going to ask you, a lot of people are facing that, uh, even if you have done the calculation and you want to start doing what you should do, uh, planning for retirement, uh, cost of living, um, you know, stock market going down, at least in 2008. Uh, and, oh, but, and, you know, the stock market has been going gangbusters through most of 2013. And so people and, – and that's what's the reality of the, of the stock market is you can have huge losses, you can have huge gains – and if you look at the the averages, that sounds good, but you've got to be able to tighten your seatbelt and understand what you're getting in for. Yeah. You need nerves of steel. Yeah, I imagine, imagine or, so. Or, you know, for young people, just start investing. Set up, you know, the best thing that was ever invented was these automatic savings plan where you can set it up so every month a certain amount goes out of your checking account and into your Roth IRA. And you can get started with a Roth IRA with you know, I don't know whether we want to mention, you know, particular companies, but Charles Schwab, you can get started with, you know, 100 bucks. You know, with other companies, typically $1,000 to get started. Uh, you know, hey, instead of getting fancy wedding gifts uh, and three toasters, ask money for cash for either a down payment on a house or to start individual retirement accounts. Amen. Yeah, Amen. yeah there, there you go. That's that's a great idea. That is a great idea. Tom, can I uh, just address the younger people again? And I, I think maybe a misconception that exists, and I want to tie it together with something Gene said earlier. Uh, one reason why I think many of the younger people – don't think down the road is that they make assumptions about retirement. They see older people and think, well, they're not going to do very much. And functionally, my life's going to be over on the day that I stop working. And I'll be, and they have this traditional model I'll be grandpa in the rocking chair and I won't really do anything and except yell at the neighborhood kids. And, <laughs> um, you know, when you get to my age, you look down the road and you say, there are all these things that I really want to do, travel being at the top of a lot of persons' lists. And you need resources to do these things. And you still have a lot more energy and a lot more curiosity about the world around you and kinds of ambitions that you wouldn't imagine uh, when you're 30 years old. And you're going to need money for these things, and, and retirement can be a great time of life if you have effectively planned for it. Hmm. Right. And, you know, having the financial security to live a comfortable life, you know, it doesn't take a million dollars. And there's, there's a really good book. It's called You Don't Need a Million Dollars to Retire Well. And in it, the author uh, interviews people who are living on very modest incomes and doing a lot of very good things in community service. And so, you know, sometimes we think about this model and, you know, I'm, I'm totally on with Mike about travel. Uh, 
and wanting and a lot of times people spend more in the first few years of retirement than they were spending when they were working because now they have the time to get out and travel, to go to the golf course, which isn't cheap, and, you know, other things. And so they're actually spending more in retirement. But uh, there's all different models of, and again, you know, sometimes that word retirement, there's a lot of people who don't like it. I've heard the word refirement (laughs) and other alternative words to describe what can be a really rich, rewarding, exciting time of life. It doesn't take a lot of money, but it does take you know, have being financially secure. And if you want to stay home and, you know, tinker in your garden and raise the best gladiolas on the block, you know, that's great. And it might not cost very much. If you want to do the round the world cruise, then you better be starting to sacrifice now to plan for it later. We're talking about retirement, retirement planning, how to stretch those retirement dollars in retirement. We're living longer. That's the good news. We'll need more financial resources. And that's the challenging news. Uh, If you have a question about retirement planning, uh, you uh, can call 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. You can email us at upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. Uh, Professor Lowden gave us a great website. I'm going to be checking this out uh, further, Professor Lowden, uh, crr.bc.edu. Yeah. Oh, you know, I was looking through the website again yesterday, and they have just fabulous resources on that website that, you know, they have a lot of research, but get beyond the research to the consumer publications and guides. And they've got this squared away blog squared away, okay, uh, that's got some tremendous great resources um, to help people out. I'd like to kind of shift and bring up another topic to make sure we cover it at least briefly, and that's reverse mortgages. Let's hold that until after the break. Sure. And uh, we'll ask you about that. First thing following the break, I'm going to ask you uh, if I can believe former Senator Fred Thompson, when he comes walking toward me on the TV. At at least the channels I watch, uh, I see Fred Thompson a lot. He's pitching reverse mortgages. Uh, We'll ask about that. We'll talk about pensions and a mix in retirement. And also, what if you're self-employed? Those questions coming up following the break. Did you know that less than one-third of Americans hold at least a bachelor's degree? But at least 30% of adults in 16 states, mostly on the coasts, have earned a bachelor's degree or higher? The three interior states among those 16 are Illinois, Minnesota, and Utah. Did You Know That is made possible by the USU Emma Eccles Jones College of Education and Human Services. More at cehs.usu.edu. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Elan Magazine, a bi-monthly artistic celebration of inspirational stories from extraordinary women, defining the Southwest lifestyle through culture, art, and adventure. Information at ilanwomen.com. You're listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Utahns have saved 23% of what they estimate they'll need for retirement. That ranks as 49th in the nation. And according to a recent study, 28% of Americans have no confidence they'll have enough money to retire comfortably. Some 41% have at least somewhat some confidence. Where do you fit in there? How confident are you? Do you know how much you'll need for retirement? And how are you doing? Are you uh, doing the savings and uh, investing in the stock market, the other things you need to do? Can we rely on the stock market? Will Social Security and Medicare be there to help us? 
And what if you're self-employed or relying on a pension? In this segment of the program, last segment of the program, we're going to get into those questions. And earlier in the program, Professor Lyons told us Social Security will be there. In all likelihood, Medicare, a little shakier. But, uh, of course, uh, health care is a big part of what we need to uh, do to prepare for retirement. We're getting some uh, retirement advice on the program today, and you can call us at 1-800-826-1495 or email us at upraxis at gmail.com. On Twitter, use the hashtag Access Utah. That'll come right through to us. We're talking with uh, Gene Lown and Mike Lyons from Utah State University. Uh, there's an event coming up, which will be interesting to you if you're planning for retirement, financial planning for women. Men are invited, too. Uh, that's on Wednesday, September 11th. Salt Lake City financial planner Suzanne Dalebout will uh, uh, discuss various retirement benefit claiming strategies. That's 1130 on that day, Wednesday, September 11th in the morning, Taggart Student Center, room 336. Then 7 o'clock in the evening, Logan Library. So let's talk about reverse mortgages, Professor Lowndes. A good idea? Reverse mortgages are pretty controversial. And again, it's one of these relatively new products that's kind of gone, like long-term care insurance, they've gone through ups and downs and, you know, they're in their teen teen years and a lot of problems there. Uh, You know, the perspective for reverse mortgages, this is where you own your home and you want to be able to stay in your home. And it kind of reverses the process where instead of you paying a monthly mortgage, uh, the bank pays you a monthly amount. And the idea is to be able to tap in uh, to the equity in your home for people who are uh, house rich and cash poor. There have been some problems with the industry. And um, I guess one of the things it has been thought of as kind of a last resort, but financial planners are coming around to the idea that everyone should consider a reverse mortgage as a line of credit. And, you know, to get back to your our previous discussion about the huge stock market drop in 2008, financial planners are suggesting that uh, people who had a reverse mortgage line of credit, instead of having to sell their stocks at rock bottom prices and you know really deplete their nest egg, that to get through short term unusual periods like that, they could have tapped their home equity line of credit. Uh, reverse mortgages are fairly costly in terms of uh, upfront fees, etc. Everyone who gets a reverse mortgage, and they're almost all um, through the federal government now, they're supervised, you have to get counseling. And I know that USU's Family Life Center, the Housing and Financial Counseling Program, has excellent um, counselors there. In order to get a reverse mortgage, and you would get this from a private lender, from a bank, you have to get counseling from someone who is not part of that bank, uh, an independent counselor. And I know our counselors are, are very well trained to really get people to think about the big picture, the whole option, bringing adult children in on the conversation. This is a, this is an important decision. Uh, but it can be, again, another um, tool in your toolbox to help you uh, have a financially secure retirement. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, people say, well, I don't, I don't want to tap my home. I want to give my home to my kids. Quite frankly, most of the time, the kids don't want the home. <laughs> yeah. so, so get the equity out while you're, right, sure. while you're alive. Uh, there are, at this website that we've been uh, touting from the uh, Boston College, 
which again is what is crr.bc.edu. Um, they have um, target your retirement, and uh, there are three powerful levers that they're saying that we can use. This is kind of encouraging to me. You can control your spending, you can work longer, and or you can tap your home equity. That's what we've just been talking about. So there are some things we can do. Yeah, there's there's really quite a broad spectrum of tools. And that's why, you know, although I'm an advocate for most people doing their own planning and avoiding the expenses of going through, you know, salespeople with buying financial products, that as you're approaching retirement, it's really a good time to consult uh, a financial planner, someone who is not going to not commission based, not going to be selling you products, but who can help you look at your whole portfolio and give you a sense of are you on target to retire? What could you do to improve your situation uh, getting that you know financial advice from someone who really understands the whole broad spectrum of options out there is is something i would advise there's another uh, and, and you're right if you get to the right spot on this website it's kind of a very interactive and nice you go to uh, special projects and interactive tools uh, another uh, nice spot here is curious behaviors oh and, yes and this is things Psychology. That, we, that we should not do <laughs> Um, so, and I'm sure you run into to people who are doing these bad behaviors and in, in uh, or or not doing the things they should do. What what are some of the things we should avoid? Well, you know, first of all, my my approach is very um, rational, and this is, I guess, where my brain is. And but I understand that, quite frankly, most of us are irrational, and we do things that we probably shouldn't do. Understanding behavioral psychology is a very um, it's a very large and growing area of the whole financial planning industry. And this um, tool you're talking about on the Boston College um, Center for Retirement Research website is a really, really fun exercise. I, I think I should use it with my students to help them understand how with those of us like me who think we're very rational, often we make irrational decisions when it comes to money. Going through their exercises there, their interactive exercises can help you understand, whoa, maybe I should think twice about something and not have a knee-jerk reaction. Uh, but it's a, it's a lot of fun. We're talking about retirement uh, on the program today, and we have a few minutes left. You could uh, get your question in at 1-800-826-1495 or upraxis at gmail.com. Professor Lyons, I just wanted to reiterate, you said this earlier, um, in planning for retirement, we probably ought to plan for the lifestyle that we want in retirement. If that's an active lifestyle with a lot of travel, we need to plan for that. Absolutely. And uh, you're going to look at the world so much differently when you're in your middle age years and beyond than you do when you're 25 or 30 or 35. And you will have many, many things that you want to continue to do. And if you're like most people uh, my age, material things begin to lose their allure. And you begin to want to invest much more in experiences and, and, and much more in uh, a sense of community and family and other things. There was a wonderful article uh, in the Huffington Post not long ago that discussed uh, a long-term research study, I believe at, at Harvard, uh, where they had stayed with this same group of, of men who graduated from Harvard, I think back in the – no, they were born in the 30s. I don't remember. But uh, – followed their lives over decades 
and discovered uh, that what makes people truly happy are are not material things and not the the accumulation of wealth, but uh, using the resources you have wisely to give you the things you really want. And the experiences, yeah. There's been a number of other studies that have confirmed uh, what Mike has said, that it's experiences that make us happy. It's not a new iPad, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the latest. Uh, uh, Another book I'd like to mention that's really good is called What Color Is Your Parachute for Retirement? Mm. And it's a really good resource to go beyond the financial. I know we focus on the financial today, but, you know, money's only part of that preparation, as Mike was just alluding to, you know, having healthy relationships, health and fitness. You know, yes, I'm planning on staying healthy and fit because I want to be able to get out there and really um, actively enjoy my retirement. Having meaningful meaningful activities, meaningful relationships, being involved with the community. Uh, You don't just say, oh, I'm going to start doing all that after I retire, you know, you've got to be working on this, you know, pre-retirement so that you're not one of these people that spends 80 hours a week at your job and then all of a sudden you retire. Oh my gosh, that's scary. (laughs) We do have a caller, uh, Bettina in Springdale. Bettina, welcome to the program. Oh, thanks. I was just thinking of that movie, Smith, that came out a few years ago about the guy who did just exactly what you said and then his wife died and his life went downhill really fast. What's but the name of the movie again? Smith. Smith. Yeah. yeah. I missed that one. No, I saw that. Oh, you I saw, know okay. the, uh, yeah. it. It starred uh, Jack Nicholson, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, my question is to ask you about um, if you, young people are going to go to college, what are some of the colleges that offer the best uh, courses in financial survival in the 21st century? Oh, I guess I'll answer that. Uh, that's... It's really hard to answer that question. Unfortunately, a lot of colleges and universities don't teach any personal financial classes. But here at Utah State, we have a fabulous class called Family Finance, taught by my colleague, Alina Johnson. And uh, the Herald Journal did a survey a few years ago about the 10 uh, best classes on the USU campus. And Alina's was, I think, number one or number two on that list. And she teaches it with 500 students a semester in class, face-to-face, and she also teaches online. So at least for students here at Utah State, do not graduate without taking family finance. Now, for students at other colleges and universities, they need to look around and find if those uh, courses are available. Generally, public colleges and universities will have those types of courses. It's the private, private liberal arts colleges that don't but there's so much online uh, and yeah what, what what's a good uh, website might come to mind to to maybe usu's maybe uh financial planning for women perhaps well yeah the financial planning for women website that um center for retirement research of course you know that's probably not some of that is geared for young women uh the Cooperative Extension Service, every state has, there's a National Cooperative Extension Service. Every state has an extension service. So go to your state's extension website, and they've got all kinds of personal financial information. Uh, New Jersey's Rutgers University, um, my colleague Barbara O'Neill has developed small steps for health and wealth. 
That is a fabulous resource that brings in the behavioral psychology. And there's so many parallels between improving your financial situation and your health. And based upon behavioral psychology, small steps to health and wealth. That's a terrific resource. I teach the world's shortest financial planning course (laughs) for young people, and it's called Don't Go Into Credit Card Debt. (laughs) Great. There you go. There's some resources for you, Bettina. I hope that helps. Okay. Thanks. Thank, Thank you. Um, and uh, we'll we'll get some of these uh, websites up on our website with today's uh, program. Uh, and uh, one that we've been talking about a lot in the program today is uh, crr.bc.edu. There's also Financial Planning for Women. Google that. It's a lot of great information. We're uh, at the end of our hour, but uh, let me just tell you again that uh, financial planner Susan is it Dalabout? Suzanne Dalbout. 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 Uh, tell us uh, the details there, Professor Lund. She'll be talking to Financial Planning for Women, and men are invited on Wednesday, September 11th, here in Logan at 11.30 in the Taggart Student Center and at 7 o'clock at the Logan Library. We would like people to RSVP. Uh, if you go to the website, we're just the USU website, uh, www.usu.edu slash lowercase fpw. And uh, we appreciate Mike Lyons, Associate Professor of Political Science. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you, Tom. Good to see you again, Gene. And uh, Gene Lown, who's a professor in the Family, uh, Consumer, and uh, Human Development uh, uh, Department. Thank you. Great. Fun to be here, Tom. Thanks. And if you have further questions, of course, you can get that to us. We'll forward these on and get you some answers. And you can go to our website, upr.org. We'll have uh, links to some of these other websites for you. Tomorrow, um, Mormon scholar, scholar of Mormonism, Terrell Givens from University of Richmond. There's an update on his book, Viper on the Hearth. We'll talk with Daryl Givens tomorrow on Access Utah. Hope you'll be with me 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. And for producer Bennett Purser, I'm Tom Williams. Thanks for listening today. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and the Utah Shakespeare Festival, presenting Cole Porter's Anything Goes with seven other productions through October 2013 in Cedar City, www.bard.org. Access Utah is a production of Utah Public Radio. You can listen to this episode or previous episodes of Access Utah anytime at upr.org, where you can find a link to subscribe to our podcast. This is Utah Public Radio, KUSR HD1 89.5 Logan, KUSK HD1 88.5 Vernal, KUSL HD1 89.3 Richfield, KUST HD1 88.7 Moab, and KUSU FM HD1 91.5 Logan.